What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. It's Candace. It's David and Isaac. This is the Sports Ethos Grizzlies podcast. Memphis Grizzlies win tonight, 104-88 over the Dallas Mavericks. And even though the Grizzlies are shorthanded, you had to expect, or I expected at least, the Grizzlies to come in and win this game because this Dallas team is worse than last year, and they're missing their two best players in Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic. I'll take as many breaks as they can get, but this makes it, uh, what, two in a row, right? They they went over Dallas on Saturday at home, 112 to 108. Uh, David Roddy is showing why the Grizzlies spent a first-round draft pick on him. Finally, we're getting to see something from these draft picks. But uh, I will probably go to my grave saying that um, that draft didn't have to go down the way it is. Jaden Hardy had a <laughs> hell of a game tonight. Well, you go back. Uh, let's see what what did Hardy do in Memphis? Yeah, he he had twenty two points at Memphis, and then what twenty eight tonight? Twenty three? Twenty eight tonight? So anyway, I, I'm not gonna beat a dead horse. We, we've talked about that until we're blue in the face. Yeah, don't get me uh, started. On that, that <laughs> how that uh, how that draft didn't have to go down the way that it did. Anyway, let's talk about the positives, right? That they're um. They're finding ways to win without John Morant, and this is something we're not sure when he is going to be back. Taylor Jenkins doesn't answer questions. He, like, circles the wagon, essentially. He, he's he been asked on multiple occasions about John Morant, and he essentially repeats the same thing but rewords it, and I know that that is by design, but we did find out that John Morant has checked himself into a facility in Florida uh, for for some type of counseling, and so that that's a good sign. We've said it on the show. We want to see him be right as a person. We know what he can do on the basketball court. If he is not right and ready as a person, then that puts all of this back in jeopardy again. I'd rather him get it right this season, and then we can be on the right foot moving forward. Great, great. Yeah, I think it's good to hear. It's good to hear that there are tangible steps because a lot of times with these situations, and not that there are a lot of situations like this, but, you know, there's opportunity for the player to continue to fall into the hole over and over again. And it seems like both the Don Morant and the Grizzlies organization as a whole are taking steps to ensure that there's a process so that it's done the right way. And that it's not just let's hurry this process up so we can get you back on the court. There seems to be from an organizational standpoint, a genuine investment in making sure he is good as a person. And that's really the right way to do it. And that's what you want to see as a building organization, because, you know, otherwise, this just would repeat itself. You continue to see destructive cycles because the root of the problem, you know, really hasn't been addressed. So I'm, I've been encouraged, you know, by everything that's come out from Taylor, you know, Taylor Jenkins. I know he hadn't been asking no questions, but I, I guess it really gives, it, it, it leaves it open-ended. And I think that is really what it should be. There's a countdown waiting on John Moran to come back. It sort of, ch- it, it shifts the, the tension away for the team and it shifts, it makes it harder on job, like let him take his time and work his way back in. So um, kudos to to everybody involved from, when you know, we're doing it right. You're taking what was a mistake and doing the best possible uh, course of action you could. Yeah, I, I tweeted about this during the game, and I, I don't have any inside information on it or anything or haven't heard anything inside, but just kind of listening to Taylor Jenkins and reading through his front office speak, coach speak, uh, so to speak, the the sense that I get is there is a I think there is a timeline. I think they know what the timeline is. I right. think they they're just not telling they're just not telling the public 
what the right. timeline is. I think there's certain check marks, benchmarks that Jai has to meet, and I think they're in constant contact with the league, and they're kind of updating the league on what's going on. And I'm sure Jai and his team are talking back to the Grizzlies, and they're going back and forth. And I think whatever he has to do to get right, I, I still fully believe that he comes back at some point. Uh, when this report came out, he checked himself in the facility. I, I had a lot of fans tweeting at me saying that they don't think he's coming back this season. I fully expect him back at some point. I, I can't put a timetable on or make any predictions on when that'll be. But I, I would be shocked if he doesn't come back at all. Like this team goes into playoffs, does whatever they do in the playoff season over, and he is back. I have a hard time seeing that because he needs to take all the time that he needs to take to, to get himself right. But in this situation, it's not like there's any legal legal stuff going on or he's submitted some kind of heinous crime or something. I find it hard to believe that he's just going to miss all of this just because of this situation, just not return until next season. Like that possibly could happen. And if that's what needs to happen, by all means, they need to take the time because this is bigger than basketball. But I would be shocked if he isn't back at some point. And I think the stuff that Taylor Jenkins is saying, I think that they know when that kind of target date is and when he could possibly complete whatever him and the league and the team and everything they set for him to complete. They're just not telling the public that. So I, I my personally, I think he's going to be back at some point, whether that's at the end of the season before the playoffs or a week before the playoffs. I, I, I'm not going to try to predict that, but I, part, I personally think he's going to be back at some point, but it's good to see him taking those steps uh, because it seemed you, when, when these type of things happen, you, a statement always comes out. It's a PR statement most of the time, a canned statement. The, the player usually isn't even the one that wrote the statement, and you just never know how seriously they have taken it. But it seems like all parties involved are taking this seriously. So uh, I hope that's the case, man. I hope Jaw is getting, like you said, the health that he needs. Hopefully he's in, in good spirits and not in a bad place mentally. Um, from what you hear, he's talking to his teammates. He's in correspondence with them, congratulating them, and still paying attention to what's going on working out, doing what he needs to do, and just trying to get himself right uh, mentally, mentally, physically, whatever's going on. And uh, that's just glad, good to see. Uh, but I do expect him back at, at some point. I just, I'm not going to try to predict when. And, and just real quick, for those who, who might disagree with you, Isaac, I, I think it's important to point out most of these types of programs do have like an X-week timeline. Like I think I think it, it, at this point, given that he's in a structured program, it would be kind of hard for the team not to have a timeline because – that that kind of information yeah. is generally shared up front with most counseling type of programs. And maybe they're giving him some time even after the program to transition. All of that is the question marks. But I, I think just to piggyback off what you said, um, there there definitely is a, a, a timeline in place. And they shouldn't release that public. I don't think that it's really relevant for anybody else to know other than fans just anxiously awaiting the return. Um, but that they're doing it the right way. They the, I wasn't even going to talk about this at all because I, I don't want to get up on a soapbox, but these dudes are human. These dudes, we do not deserve, the fans do not deserve shit. They, they don't deserve a damn thing. Man, man he, he, he is a human <laughs> being. And the way the media, the national media, Nate Duncan put out a tweet after it was released that he was in there saying some stupid shit. I'm sick of it, man. Who, if the media, there are there are plenty of fans that pay their money that go into these stadiums that think that they don't have to respect these guys hey. because they bought these tickets. 
if the media is not going to do a better job of humanizing these guys, who the hell is the media has a responsibility and they're not, they're not doing it. All they're doing right now, the New York post, Nate Duncan, Skip and Shannon, you can, I can name a hundred people right now that are running their mouth about this situation and they need to shut the hell up because what needs to happen is people need to realize this is a 23 year old. He's grown, but he's a 23 year old kid at 23 years old. There are a lot of things about life that you don't know yet. And his situation far exceeds what most typical 23 year olds have to face. And nobody's mentioning that nobody it's all smear campaign. Well, I'm just reporting the news. Shut your mouth, dude. Shut the hell up. You're not just reporting the news. You didn't get to Nate Duncan's position. You didn't get to skip Bayless's position. You didn't get to Shannon Sharp's position without using your brain. You're not an idiot. You are choosing to frame it this way, and it's ridiculous. And, yeah, this is a Grizzlies podcast, so we're going to have some bias whenever it comes to this. But even if this was another NBA player, Kevin Porter Jr. is another situation where he had to blow up in Cleveland, and now like his contract in Houston – he they can just cut him and not owe that dude any money at all. They can just cut and when that situation happened, there was a lot of bullshit speculation on him as well. So yeah, I'm gonna stick up for Ja Morant because this is a Grizzlies podcast and that's my guy. But more than anything, if anybody in the world is going to humanize these people, it needs to be the media and they're not doing that. And then you can just go and you can see fans from other fan bases just piling it on and and it's stupid it's not how it should be regardless of what team he plays for these guys are just like you and me with the exception that they got blessed with an unbelievable talent to get them to play at the highest level and so they're under big spotlight but i let's get to the game if you guys have something you can you can say whatever you want on that i didn't really want to go down yeah tonight but but it's just it's super frustrating, man. We like we're we're part uh, of the media, but we are we have like when it comes down to media, this show is like uh, uh not even an entire leaf. It's like the stem of a leaf on a tree. Whenever it yeah. comes to the media, yeah. So. Never mind, man. I'm just done. Yeah, if y'all got any, you, well, you can add to it if you want to. If not, let, let let's get to the games. Yeah, I was gonna say I do want to add a couple points to that to, to kind of agree with you there. And you talked about the media spinning a certain way I, when I tweet stuff about okay, well, John needs to take time. He's take all the time he needs. I have fans tweeting at me. I, mean, I need him back by Saturday. I need him. I want him to be back. This doesn't make any sense. He needs to come back. Like, what is what's wrong with him? Is he like like why why is he checking into a facility? I'm like. These dudes are human. Like, you act like just because they play in the NBA on a basketball team that you might buy tickets for, that they should just do whatever you want them to do. They can't have anything else going on in their life. Nobody's telling you what to what to do. You don't see John Morant coming on your Twitter feed telling you what you need to do. Like, it, I, I don't – I've never understood how people feel about professional athletes and people like they're not real. Like, they, you don't talk to anybody else like that. Like, why do you think – these people, just because they make a lot of money, you see them on TV, they're playing in the NBA, doesn't mean that they 
don't go through stuff, that they don't have issues. Like, it's not your place to tell somebody, well, you don't need to do this. You need to come back and be on the basketball floor. Like, that's like this is bigger than basketball, man. It pisses me off when I see those type of tweets that I get them all the time. Like, people say that he needs to just come back. I don't care what he has going on. He put himself in this position, so he should just come back. And I'm like, man, that that ain't it at all, man. And to the New York Post, that ridiculous, man, for putting those pictures out. That was supposed to be a private yeah. situation. When you're at a strip club, that's he was in a private room. Like, those that that's not a crime. So yeah. that is that's against anything that we were talking about. Lawsuits, man. Lawsuits. Yeah, like, that's ridiculous, man, because that doesn't have anything to do with the gun situation and any of this other stuff that's going on. You're just piling on with that. Like, that's not even anything that should be public information. So, yeah, man, New York Post, man, that's but I wouldn't expect anything less. I mean, that's what they do. I mean, that's basically almost like a tabloid type situation. But it's ridiculous, man. And like Candace said, man, I if I'm John, I'm looking at lawsuits against a lot of these people, a lot of these media, quote, media outlets that are out there just putting out all this crazy stuff, man. But, yeah, let's, let's move on from that, man, because it pisses me off, man, just how the media, national media especially, is treating this. For sure. But we got something else to talk about, so we'll get to we that. We do. So let, let's go back to Saturday's game. I'm I here recently I've had a ton of internet issues and I didn't get to watch Saturday's game live. I had to go back and watch it after the fact. Desmond Bain in Saturday's game, he he had 25 points, eight assists, seven rebounds. Then you flip over to tonight's game, Desmond Bain, 23 points, seven assists, seven rebounds. Those are John Morant like numbers while John Moran is out, and not to mention what Tyus Jones is doing. These guys are stepping up in the way that you need them to step up. And, while you know, I'm, I mentioned Roddy early in the show. We'll, we'll get to him. But but let's talk about Desmond Bain for a little bit and what we're seeing from him, what you guys like, what you dislike. Candace, I'll go to you first. Did, did, did you expect this type of production from Desmond Bain with Ja being out, him – I, my guess is between him and Jaron Jackson, they're going to be the focus of the defense. And it seems like based off of these Dallas games that Jaron was probably a little more focused than, than Bain was. But did, did you expect to see him putting up like this, the, the 25, 8 and 7, 28, 7 and 7? Yeah, I, I got to be honest. I, I, I did because I, I'll say the one thing I'm surprised in is how well he's been rebounding. I'm a little surprised with that. But, but Desmond Bain – Sometimes he's not as efficient as we normally expect him, but the guy averages like 21 points a game. So this he he has stepped it up to a level. He's done great with the playmaking. He's done a really good job with that. Uh, but we have seen flashes of him be able to do it. It's it's two games in a row, and he did have a bad game off of that, so it's hard to, to put consistency to it yet. But the rebounding effort, you can definitely see just how well-rounded he can be as a player. So I'm not surprised. I'm I'm uh, I'm happy to see it. But this is kind of what uh, around a 20 point game, I probably would expect less in terms of assists, um, maybe a little bit more in terms of turnovers. He, he, he struggles with that sometimes, but he's been doing pretty good as of late. Um, but I just got to say the rebounding effort. I, I'll say that's the one thing that, that he has done because he's not really been a rebounding kind of guy and generally been out on the perimeter. But I guess since he's been, you know, we talked about this before, but with him driving into paint so much more, I think it's just about effort. For him, um, because he's been that's been huge um, in his efforts to rebound, making him you know 
I mean, a guy is an all-star caliber player. So that, that's that's really, for me, it's a matter of time before he gets voted to an all-star because he's the kind of guy that puts up these type of performances on a regular basis. But you absolutely love to see it, especially given that we did talk about how shaky he has been when the pressure gets turned on in those fourth quarter situations. And I think, you know, even when we talked about it before in the last episode, I mentioned that I, we've seen Desmond Bain be the closer in the fourth quarter. We saw it before his injury, and I think, He's making some adjustments. Sometimes he gets sped up, things like that. And you still see that happen sometimes, like even, you know, late in the game in the fourth quarter, he kind of had a shaky handle a couple of times, almost turned the ball over. But I think he's going to get used to that, become more acclimated to that kind of attention. And that's not going to do anything but help catapult this team into potential, into winning a potential championship. So um, it's exciting to see. Um, I'm happy to see it for him, especially after having – he had a tough stretch for a while. Um, so it's good to see him be his more efficient self – um, like he was before. And he's really been, I'd say, the consistent offensive force that this team is needs, that has needed in Jaws absence. Yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised because, again, we've seen we've seen him do this before with and, with and without Jaws. We've seen him put up big performances. I and mean, I'm not going to lie, I had kind of gotten down on him a little bit, man. He had a stretch where he was really struggling uh, when, when, when Jaws first went out. And we talk about some of those late-game situations where – gets a little shaky, the playmaking, man, he was struggling, making a lot of cross-court bad passes, turning the turnovers, getting the ball stripped, and, and he wasn't shooting the basketball from three the way we had seen in the past. And I don't know if it was an injury, but you can tell that he's not 100%. Like, if you if you watch him, like, when he walks out of the game, he's limping usually when he walks out of the game. You can notice a little limp. He's right. definitely not 100% on that foot. That's something that I think he's definitely going to have to have surgery on in the offseason. But these last two games, I mean, he's really stepped it up. I mean, 14 rebounds, 15 assists um, in, in these two games against Dallas. Um, the rebounding and assists is stuff, definitely something that you don't expect, man. What do you have? Uh, seven assists tonight, um, eight assists in, in the last game. I yeah. mean, that that shows you. You talk about him struggling in the playmaking. He definitely had not struggled in playmaking the last two games. Yeah. And as Candace said, I think this is only going to sharpen his game. Um, being in these situations, kind of being that lead player on the team while Jaw's out, that's just going to make him better and better. I also think he he's an all-star caliber player. I think he's going to be all-star. Probably would have been one this year. There was a chance that this team could have had three all-stars, which would have been crazy because if he stayed on the same trajectory he was on before that injury, he 100% would have been an all-star. I don't yeah. have any questions about that. Now, maybe they would have not voted trip in if, if he had been one, but uh, he's really stepped up for this team. Um, you talk about Tyus Jones. Um, who had been struggling mightily. I mean, he had a like a month and a half stretch where so he played some of the worst basketball since he had been here. Uh, but but he's really stepped it up. Um, and really efficient, man. Six to twelve on the floor tonight. Uh, Thirteen points, five rebounds, three assists. Um, even though he didn't score a lot, I think he ended up with maybe eleven points um, in the last last Mavericks game. He did a lot of other things as far as running the offense. And I tweeted about that uh, during the game. How calm he is. I know I'm kind of getting off the subject talking about Tyus Jones instead of Desmond, but how he calm and patient he is when running the offense. Doesn't yeah. ever seem to be fed up. Like, he just comes down. He's super confident in, in what he's doing out there. Usually makes the right pass. Uh, doesn't turn the ball over a lot. I mean, he's just just fantastic. Um, and they, they need those guys. They're going to need those guys to continue to step up because right now, man, we we don't know when John Morant is returning. So, as, as Dylan Brooks said the other night, right now, they have to go into these games with the mindset that this is our team. These are the guys that we have right now, and we got to try to find a way to win ball games. And these two wins, professional wins, um, they're in a situation now where wins could be at a premium. 
So anytime you're going in a game where you're favored to win or you should win them, they, they pretty much have to win them. If they're going to kind of try to stay in that two seed, two, three area, they're going to have to win the ball games that they're supposed to win. And they had two right here. They were supposed to win. They stepped up and won both of them. Um, so that's, that's what they got to do, man. Just find a way to trade water. And so far, since John Moran's been out, man, they've done a really, really good job of that, probably better than I even thought they would. You know, you mentioned Stones. Mark Jones and Jeff Van Gunny were talking about he made a turnover before Jenkins took everybody off of the floor, and it was his third of the night. And they were just kind of – they were like, you know, that this may be the first time in his entire life that he's had three turnovers in a game. They're exaggerating a little bit. But everybody knows that that he takes care of the basketball, and that he had um it was eleven assists Saturday, ten assists, ten assists, eleven points Saturday, zero turnovers, and then tonight he he struggled a little bit. He had three assists and three turnovers, but that that's not what you see from him. Even in the games when he is not shooting the ball well, he always takes care of the ball. So. I think it's higher I usage has probably probably led to some of that. I mean, you he's not yeah, used to playing oh, yeah. as much as he's playing now, so that's that's yeah, what that, that is. But you, you go from playing twenty minutes a game to 32, yeah. 33, 34 minutes a game, you're going to have more opportunities to turn the ball over. But I think it's some of that dad magic. You know, he had that little one, and then he's come back. He's been balling. <laughs> so I mean, it, you know. it was almost right on cue. We we kind of kind of joked about that before. Um, and it, it when once they had the baby, he came back out and turned back into his normal self like that. That's real. Like I'm like it's weird how that happened, but there might be some truth to that. Um, y- y'all remember when Freddie Van Fleet had his baby and came back and carried the yep. Raptors to a championship? Yep. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Tyus Jones with the Grizzlies this year. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Exaggerating a little. So now from so from from positive, I I want to see what you guys are feeling about Jaron in this last couple games. He's a combined five for 20 from the field, one for nine from three. Um, Where'd my note go? I lost it. Looks like 18 points. I'm sorry, 21 combined points over these two games. Are, are you concerned? You know, he had four fouls in this game. He only played just under 24 minutes. But you didn't really need him to play a ton of minutes in this game. They were ahead... I think had this game been closer tonight, you would have seen him out on the floor. He would have played a lot more than just the 23 minutes tonight. But do you have any concerns about Jaron at all with the struggles that we've seen over these last two games? And I don't just uh, go, go ahead, Ken. No, you go ahead. Go. I was going to say, I'm, I'm not, I don't necessarily have any concerns because I think we've seen this from Jaron. We we know that he can be tackling high. Uh, I mean, you can see him go up against, somebody really good and have a dominant game. And then I had high expectations going into these two games because Dallas doesn't have really anything in the front court. And you're thinking, okay, well, he can go out and dominate these two games. And he, he doesn't. Um, and I, I can say I'm disappointed in these two games because I really expected him to have big games, but I don't know if I'm concerned because again, we've just seen this with no rhyme or reason to it. Certain games he plays against better players might be really good. He'll play against lesser players and struggle, have a game where he fouls a lot because, Going against this front court, you definitely didn't expect these to be games where he would be in foul trouble. Now, it is national TV, and we know that for some reason in national television games, he he gets into foul trouble. But I, I didn't expect that in this game, so I was a little bit disappointed in him. But I'm not super concerned like this is going to be what he's going to do going forward because, uh, I mean, he might go, go up against Bam on, on Wednesday night and have a fantastic game. You just, just never know because he's just 
just Jekyll and Hyde. Like he's been that pretty much his entire career. Uh, but you, you do expect him to step up in these situations. I mean, he was a, an All Star this year, uh, Defensive Player of the Year candidate. You don't you don't want him to lose that because you have a lot of people talking Brook Lopez now and with, with Jael. I mean, this is in this team kind of being down a little bit, down some players. This is one of the, the time where you expect him to step up and shine, and you just don't want to see him having games like he's had the last two games. So hopefully uh, um, on Wednesday night, this doesn't become a trend of something that he's just in a downtrend and starts to struggle. But right now, I'm I'm not super concerned because, again, we've seen him do this at different times throughout his career. Yeah, I would agree. I, I, I'm a little disappointed, but I'm not concerned uh, because it is on the par. And, you know, you would what you would want, what you would love in this situation is him to really take advantage of this opportunity and to really dominate in some of these games, especially these national TV games. I think for him, it's really mental. I, I think I think Jaron is personally, I mean, I, and, I, and, it, and it's purely speculation, but I think sometimes you can see the mental. Sometimes he just seems, I don't know, just disengaged to some extent. I mean, even even defensively, there's some there's some some, some possessions where I'm just kind of going, you know, you could have put a little bit more effort in that. But just with his uh, like you know. Even block attempts, I think the past couple of games, it just it just hadn't been the normal engaged fool on Jaron. But I, I also know that he's a guy that can easily step out of it. I don't, I don't I don't really know, and I can't haven't got a sense for what drives him to have these lower level games versus higher level games. I haven't been able to find a trend. It really is kind of checking high, like Isaac said. But uh, you know, I'm looking for a bounce back game from him. Um, he is continue. I mean, his defensive presence, even if he's not. Fully, you know, actively engaged. His his presence is huge on the court versus off the court. Those numbers are staggering in terms of the impact that he has on this team. So it's still important for him to to play, and, and just his mere presence is good in and of itself. But you would want more offensively from him. You want a little bit more. I'd say I, I think he's kind of gotten back in his in his shell a little bit in terms of. I feel like he had a, found a really good balance between attacking the paint. In, in shooting threes and and now I'm I'm not sure maybe he's trying to make up for the offense or you know that John Morant was not John not being there I can't quite figure out what it is but he does seem to settle for threes just a little bit more than he was before John went out we'll I'll, we'll consider it continue to see and monitor to see if that's the case it could just him be trying to get it going um, but I but I also kind of wish the team would run a little bit more for him to get him engaged I think sometimes for him you know. He just if he's if he's not engaged offensively, sometimes you can just kind of see it, and he checks out throughout the whole the whole game. Really, uh, like tonight, you see, it looks like he only had eight shot attempts. I that's I don't I don't want to see a game with Jaron eight shot attempts. So uh, it's just it's just not. Uh, you we want to see them make him a more feature. We talked about this before. It's so. No, I'm disappointed. We'd love to see more from him, but I also would like to see a concerted effort from the team as a whole, including the guards. It's not just coaching. The guards could do a better job of feeding him when he's when he's um when he's boxed out as man. And plenty of times when he's boxed out as man and the guards will just ignore him and not throw into the post. I know Desmond Bain, Isaac in particular, has talked about that's not something Desmond Bain does well. Um Dylan does it pretty well, but outside of that. I think Tyus could do a better job himself of recognizing some of those mismatches on those switches and trying to get Jaron involved that way. I, I don't know if that's something that we'll see change in the future, but especially with John Morant being out, I think that's something they could do that would get Jaron going, I think, uh, confidence-wise and having him in a rhythm early in the game that he could be more 
engaged for you on both ends, uh, especially when it, when it comes down to closing out quarters in the fourth. So let me pose another question, you guys. We we talked we've talked about Jaron quite a bit throughout this season and even in the like last season and what we would like to see from him offensively. The one thing that I, I never have witnessed and I haven't heard him say anything about it. You look at tonight's game specifically, David Roddy, eight for eleven, three for five from three, Tyus Jones was six for twelve. Desmond Bain was seven for 13. Like those shots for Bain and Jones, you kind of expect that. But do you, to me, it seems like Jaron, if he can rebound and play good defense, he doesn't really care what he does offensively. And I, and I don't mean that in a negative manner. I don't mean it like, oh, well, he he's disengaged and he doesn't want to score. If he needs to score for this team to win, I think that he's okay with that. But if he doesn't need to score for this team to win, he can just go out and play defense. I think that he's okay with that as well. Would you guys agree or disagree with that? Yeah, I, I think I, I think for him scoring-wise, I think he's okay either way. I, I think he's fine if he just goes out there and plays defense. Um, I think he's fine with that. But for him, when you, when you talk about the, the being checked out or, or the dejected part. I think he lets the fouls get in his head. Anytime yeah. when he gets a bad foul, he's like sulking. You can see him like he's upset. Sometimes he'll take a play off after that happens. And I think that's what you see with him a lot. If he gets yeah. in foul trouble, he does have a tendency to kind of check out of everything. Uh, be, even on the defensive end, he'll take plays off. And that's just mental growth. Because people got to understand, man, he's still young. He's 23 years old. I, I know he's been around for a while. He's all-star this year, defensive player of the year candidate, but he's still growing, still learning. I mean, he's a young guy. A lot of times I think this team's success is, well, at times have you forgetting how young these guys still are. I mean, there's still room for them to grow, especially mentally uh, on the middle side of the game, and that's something that he just has to grow out of, even just the fouling itself, the the dumb fouls, the silly fouls. Some of them, he gets a, a terrible whistle. There's no question about that, but a lot of those fouls, they're very avoidable. Like he had a couple tonight that were extremely avoidable that he shouldn't should be shouldn't be doing at this point. Uh, but those are just things that he's going to have to get better at. But I think on your point about the scoring situation again, I think he he's fine if he's just out there playing defense. If the team needs him to score in their position where they need him to get baskets and nobody else is getting them, he could be aggressive. Yeah, but I, I think he's fine. He's away. But you would like for him to have more of that killer mentality and realize how talented he is and feel like, okay, well, I'm a main piece on this team. I can score all the time. And I think that's where you want him to be, but I don't think he's 100% there. I'll say this. Jaron is a very unselfish player. I think that's different than I, and, and I read by, I'm just kind of going off body language and things like that. So, but, but my impression is that I think he would sometimes, because there's plenty of times where he box out his man and he's kind of calling for the ball and gets ignored. And I just, I think sometimes that might get to him uh, in addition to the fouls. Um, it's not all the time. He's an unselfish player in general, but I do think sometimes he, that, that is, I think he would like to get the ball more, but he's not the kind of guy that's going to say that at the same time. Cause you could just see in terms of watching him, the games where he is locked in offensively, he, his confidence is just at a completely different level. And you can tell, I get the impression he enjoys when he feels like he's dominating offensively as well as 
defensively. Yes, defense. I think he's a defensive first player. And I think he's an offense. I think, you know, offense, he sometimes wants to bring more to the team, but, you know, he could, I think he could to some extent take it or leave it. But I, I, I'm not sure that it's just fine. I'm not sure that like he's good with only getting eight touches either. I, I and I don't know what that, what that, you know, ideal number for him or what I, like what the where the balance is with that. But he's just two different players on the court on a game where he's gotten eight touches versus a game where he's gotten like 13, 12, 13, something like that. And he's been efficient and, you know, he's he's kind of yelling, he's screaming and and one, you know, just based off of their reaction, I do think offense means more to him than he's willing to communicate to his teammates. So I think I'm going to bounce it back to you real quick. I want to kind of, you mentioned how old he is. You mentioned his, his youth. What's your response to people that say, okay, I understand that he is 23, but he's been in the league. What this is, Jaron was the 18 draft. So yeah, 18, 19, 19, 20, 20, and 21. Twenty one, twenty two, twenty. Yeah, so but this is year five for Jaron. What what's your response to the people? Okay, yeah, he is twenty three years old, but he's not young in this league anymore. And in, in the sense that, like, at five years, what point do we stop using that as that's the reasoning? Like, when, when do you kind of draw that line in the sand to say, okay? This is something that he's dealing with. And for the record, I agree with you, but I, I just want to see like what what's your response if somebody says he's been in the league for too long to be to still be making these kind of mistakes. Yeah, I mean that's I mean that's an interesting question. Um uh, an angle angle to look at it because you you do talk about this is his fifth year. So you would like him to be more advanced than this by now. There's a lot of things in his game, like I just said, that I think you feel like he should be passed by now just because of the simple fact of how long he's been in the league. But you have to kind of reel that back in and realize that he is only 23 um, and that uh, players are nowhere near their feeling or peak usually at uh, prime when they're 23 years old. And you just have to frame it like that uh, because guys usually don't get into their prime until they're 26, 27, 28 years old. Um, and this team has been, young collectively together. So I think they all still have some growing to do. And I think we saw that more this year than we've seen before. I mean, I think that some of that has kind of reared his head even more than we maybe even saw even last year. Um, like Clyman said, it's not, things like this are not always linear. And I think in some ways, some of the things that we've seen this year, there's been some regression this year. Um, but with him, and I, I'm just willing to, to give it more time because I, I, do, I do realize he's 23 years old, but I get, the frustration from someone from the other side that would say, okay, well, this is his fifth year, so he he should be past this by now. I just know just history-wise, guys don't reach their peak until, like you said, guys in year seven, eight, when they're 26, 27, 28 years old. Those are usually when guys are at their peak, and he still has a couple years before we even get into that area uh, of time. So that that's why I'm willing to give him time. I, I have a counter. So So I would say this. It, yes, it's Jaron's fifth year, but I would also say that one, he lost a year. Like he only played eleven games one year. Yeah, and true. I think he lost quite a bit of time. I think there's another. I would say he's lost a year and a half of that five years in terms of just being injured. Of at least some, I would say that's about right. A year and a half. And then I would too say, in terms of 
the leap that many expected or hoped he would take. Many hoped it would be this offseason. And again, injuries sort of prohibited him. And so I think you give some room for that in terms of a lot of these things are the, the things that Jaron needs to work on are just reps. I mean, in terms of, you know, not letting a foul get to you. I'm, I'm not sure outside of game type situations, you can, you can really experience that same level of emotion that's involved in the moment. Same thing with the fouls. You can work on maybe some technique to some extent, but it's only going to be so much you can do. You have to have those on-ball reps. I think he's getting those now. In terms of a timeline for me, I think this this offseason is going to be big for him. It's going to be really important for him to have a fully healthy offseason and enter the next offseason healthy because that's when I think that that's when I would expect to see everything fully formed. I think a lot of people were surprised with the changes he had made and the improvements he had made because he had had such a short offseason. So I will give him credit for in the short time he had to work on his game you can see some improvements there. You also see some regression. But I think for a lot of the year, you saw him do um, – you just be better on both sides. Like I said, balancing um, paint points versus the, versus the three-point line, um, being more dominant in his strength in the paint, um, learning how to finish a little bit better and be more efficient that way. Does he have to balance it with passing? Yes. But it was – I mean, the guy really only had so much time to work on his basketball um, because that injury – because of the timing of the injury. So – Big offseason for him, but I would say the patience should be there for that reason. Um, because some of the things you just you just can't get in an empty gym. And I think if you watched him play this season, if you've watched this team enough, you can clearly see that there were mistakes that he was making last season that he is maybe not cleaned up completely, but he has taken strides toward improving. And one of the things that got him into foul trouble last year, when he would catch the ball, he'd catch it and he'd go forcefully. He's got that drop step spin move Mm -hmm. and defenders knew what he was going to do, where he was going to lower that shoulder and spin and go for that little hook finish. And so defenders would just slide and get in his way and he would mow them over. And he's adjusted to that. When he feels them doing that now, he can kind of step out and take that kind of eight to 10 foot shot and knock it down as opposed to hitting that drop step spin move and finishing within a couple feet of the basket. And so you're seeing little things happen that are improvements in his game, in his game. I'm sorry, but yeah, there are some things that we want to see improve. But yeah, patience for me, I think that, a lot of folks give up on players entirely too early. And nobody, I've, I've not seen anybody giving up on Jaron Jackson. I'm not saying that. But you don't realize because of the success of this team exactly how young they are. I know Isaac said, I just went like, we can say it a thousand times and there's still people that are going to miss that point. Yeah, the third youngest in the league right now. And, and I was going to say, and I think even to add to that, I don't even want to go too far down this road, but I also think there's a coaching angle to this as well. I still don't think that they use them exactly. They don't maximize his abilities. There's still more that they could do with him offensively, and it just doesn't seem like that's the way they coach him. It, because he could, he could, he's good enough offensively to be featured at times, and it just doesn't seem like 
they do that enough. Like they he has mismatches on almost a nightly basis, and there'll be times where he has a a, a guard on him in the paint, and they don't get him in the basketball. I'm um, like he, he's barbecue. He got barbecue chicken down there, and they're not giving the ball in the paint. And you see that happen happen way too often. And I don't know what it is why. I mean, you tell he sees it happen. You can tell he gets upset about it. They don't give him the ball, and I don't know if it's just when when Jaw's there, it's a Jaw thing, or is it the way they're being coached? I don't know what it is, but there's a lot of times where I feel like there's more to unlock there, and I think that has to do with the maturation process of Taylor Jenkins. I mean, he's young as well. Just like we say about these guys, he's still learning. And I know we've talked about our thoughts on him. And again, I don't want to go down that train, but yeah, I just wanted to add that. So well, I, was, I wasn't playing tonight and Jaron only got eight touches. So yeah, not just uh so I, we, we've gone not not super long, but I don't want to go crazy long tonight. And there's no way that we can end this show without talking about what David Roddy has done over these last two games. Hey, let's do it. David Roddy. I, I'm really happy for the guy. Big body. He like put it. on a phenomenal <laughs> show. First of all, carrying, and I mean carrying the Grizzlies hey. in the fourth quarter because I had mentally prepared myself for epic fourth quarter collapse because that's – this is what I thought happened, but, but Roddy coming on off that bench, he has absolutely seized the opportunity. Um, you see his three side, his his three point shot going down, which is excellent, amazing to see. Um, if that, if he can do that, man, the, the the value that he has to this team exponentially goes up if he can have a consistent three point shot. Um, but but just uh, again, just want to emphasize the efficiency for him on both of these nights. You know, 10, 10, 10 of thirteen on Saturday night, he had twenty four points, uh, four rebounds. And, and in this game, again, a 19-point game from him. Um, he's eight, eight, eight of 11, um, three of five from three. And you just absolutely love to see, first of all, in general, an efficient three-point shooter on the team just in general right now. I don't know if that's who he is, but it's been great to see that develop for him as of late. Um, and then it's just good to see that the tenacity that he plays with. He's a guy who can also create off of the dribble a little bit. And we've talked about how sometimes his offense can get stagnant. And I think there's been plenty of times where, especially in that fourth quarter Saturday night, where maybe the offense would have gotten stagnant. But David Roddy is just a guy who's just going to find a, find his way, get on the ball, he's going to find his way to the basket, whether it's getting the paint or whether it's taking advantage of a of an um, open three. Sometimes his shot selection could be better. He got a little bit of Dylan Brooks on him, but he, but he's more efficient, I think, um, in general, or he has been his past couple of games. And, and you just got to give the credit that you got to give you got to credit him with that. For uh, it's almost like a Tillman effect in terms of a guy who just hasn't gotten opportunities, but when he gets the opportunities, is more than ready to step up to the plate and be everything that this team needs. Yeah, man, I, I was always a believer in his potential, and I've talked about that a lot. Like I felt like he was going to be a real player for this team in the future, but he might be a thing right now. Um, yeah. I, I think these injuries and everything that's going on, if there's any kind of silver lining, I think they might have found out that they have a guy that can contribute right now uh, in in David Roddy. Uh, but just you go back to that Dallas game on Saturday night at FedEx Forum, I mean, just every positive play. I mean, that, that game was going nowhere. It was going headed toward the same thing that we've seen time and time again where they lose these games in the second half. Uh, man, they just couldn't get anything going, man. He just flipped the switch, man, and I think he picked the whole team up. Uh, I mean, they 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 fed off of him. Every positive play that they made late in that third quarter into the fourth quarter, it was all him. I mean, he's diving on the floor, getting loose balls, keeping balls alive, offensive rebounds, 
He's knocking down threes. I mean, he's just doing everything. And I, I was really happy to see the crowd, man, chanting Roddy. Uh, I'm sure he didn't have that on his bingo card for for yeah. this year, man. I think there was a moment where they he'd have the whole crowd chanting his name, man. That was that was special. Um, and I'm really happy for him. And I think he's that moment. I think he's playing with super confidence right now uh, because he's stepping up confidently, shooting the three. He's taking the ball to the basket. Uh, but, and again, a lot of times confidence, man, can can catapult your game. Uh, I mean, he's playing with with high confidence right now. And again, I think civil lining out of what's going on right now. I think they found out that they might have a rotation player that even a guy that could even step in and play some minutes in the playoffs, just like Zaire did last year. Um, I think they might have a guy. Yeah, they might have a new guy that can. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Why why is Gunther still playing? Um, But anyway, uh, yeah, man, I I, I love one point tonight. One point point, four minutes tonight. Cardio. (laughs) But anyways, man, uh, we've talked about that. I ain't going to go down that road. Gunther's going to play. There's no. I don't think we even have to worry about that. I mean, we can put our thoughts out, but man, Jenkins is gonna play Conchard. But Roddy, man, I, I think they, I, I think that's gonna be another big hit for for climbing in this front office uh, because I don't think coming out. I mean, he wasn't even projected to go in the first round. He was a guy that a lot of mocks had late forties, uh, maybe even into the fifties on some mock drafts, and they took him early. I was kind of surprised when they made the pick, but I think he's gonna be a real player, man. It's just unique the size and his skill set. You just don't see guys with that kind of combination. So really, really happy for him. And again, I think they found a guy that they can depend on for some minutes, even in the playoffs. Uh, so I think that's a positive kind of out of some of the negative that we've seen and kind of the state that the roster is in right now. One thing that I noticed going back to Saturday night's game is his approach in that game. He, even early, you know, he, he had that monster fourth. But even early in that game, the the look just I, I don't know, man. There was something different about it. You know, Coach Jenkins, we we have heard multiple people with the the motto of this team is LTMFF, let that mother fly. Roddy at times this year didn't seem like he was embracing that. And you go back to Saturday night's game, and it's like he was playing with no reservation. He had no concern about making a mistake, he was out there, and it was like pedal to the floor the entire time, and, and that's great. Like when when you you know Isaac, you mentioned him playing with confidence and getting shots to go, that generally builds your confidence. And so he he's he's playing well right now. I hope that this continues for him. It just makes me scratch my head as to why we were seeing some DNP coaches' decisions. I I, yeah. I know that he yeah. hasn't played at this level all year, but still, they, man. <laughs> yeah, they see him more than we do, and it just you, you will not convince me that they don't see a difference between him and some of the guys that were getting minutes. I am, I'll leave yeah, it at I, that. So yeah, I was gonna say I, I hate to pile on Contra, but I felt for a while even before we saw this. I mean, you've seen flashes from him and, and things that he's done when he's been in games and, and gotten gotten small amount of minutes. You saw flashes that made you feel like they should be at least trying him over control. You should at least give him a chance. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, but you, I think he's showing right now what he could do, and I think he's, I think he's had this ability. So it's just kind of weird, like you say, that we haven't seen this earlier. But I guess 
it, it's never better late than never. Um, I, I guess these injuries and everything that's happened again, if there's any positive that's come out of this, I think his play uh, has been a shining light kind of in, in, in all the, the negatives that you can talk about, about the roster right now. You know, Coach. You, you can look at the numbers. Like if you go to cleaning the glass, you can see um, the, the best net differential lineup for the Grizzlies played 123 possessions together. John Morant, Desmond Bain, John Conchar, Santi Aldama, Steven Adams, plus 27. The third best has John Conchar in it. The fourth best has John Conchar in it. You go down, like inside the top 10, John Conchar is in four of those 10 lineups. Yeah, I saw that tonight. He he brings... It's it's so weird because if you watch and you look at the stat line, it's like okay, what is this dude doing? Yeah, I but then you when you different. when you dig into the numbers and you look, it's like okay, yeah, when he's playing, this team is outscoring the other team, and that that is one thing. When I was talking with my buddy Chris, and he said, "What do you think is the most overrated stat in basketball?" and it's points. It's it's hands down not even close a hundred percent of the time it's points you can't look at a box score and say okay this guy scored let me find a good example tonight Jaden Hardy scored 28 points when he was on the floor the Dallas Mavericks were negative 12 right but he he was the leading scorer in this game and so like I, I get I get frustrated. I'm not like hammering on you guys over the Conchar thing. Like I get frustrated watching it. But for whatever reason, even though he doesn't consistently really do like he rebounds the ball well consistently and he has that energy, but that's really the only things that he does that's consistent. But every time that he is on the floor, the Grizzlies outscore the other team. And I think that Jenkins is aware of that. And I think that coaches develop a comfort level with these players. And so, like, even though we like what Kennard does, we like what Roddy does, I think that's like a safety blanket for Taylor Jenkins. He knows what he's going to get. He knows that he's going to get effort. He knows he's going to get rebounding from Conchar. And he's going to get a guy that's not going to give the other team the ball. So, it's it gets frustrating. There's times when I and I still am sitting here campaigning for more Roddy minutes instead of Conchar, and we saw that what uh, tonight's game, mm-hmm. Conchar played 24, Roddy played 26, and then going back to Saturday night's game, Conchar played 11, and Roddy played 22. So we're starting to see that more, but I've just given up hope that we're ever going to see John Conchar out of the lineup unless he's just not in a Memphis Grizzlies uniform. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they, they gave him that extension, and I think they, they are, they're they going to make sure that they, they want to look right on that, on giving them that extension. I, I think that's the – I'm not going to say front office directive, but I think it's just that's their guy. Uh, they, they decide to trust him and give him an extension when a lot of people kind of felt like, why are you extending this guy? And I, I just think they just kind of want to be – Right on that. So I think he's going to be in a rotation. I think that's just – and like you said, I mean, there are times where he does make plays. He rebounds better. He rebounds the basketball well. But he hasn't even done that this year as well as he's done in the past. Like last year, I think 
you could say that a little bit more. There are times this year where he he's not even doing that. He's just out there getting cardio at times, um, and he's still in a rotation. So, <laughs> but again, man, we beat that like a dead horse. So I, I think there's such thing as analytic darlings, and I, I think Conchar is that uh, a lot of times because he, uh, he he's not going to mess up. I said there, there are very few times where John Conchar is going to is going to mess up. I, I think more than anything, you know, he'll have like you know a silly foul or something like that. Um, or or give up easy dunks, <laughs> dunks or something like that. But for the most part, he's not a guy that's going to be a liability for you out there on the floor. Um, yes, the effort will be there. Um, you might not get much stats wise, but I'm not sure. I'll say this: I, I, analytic dollars have their place, um, but given the skill sets of the team and the way the roster is constructed, I'm not sure what John Car- John Contrard gives you is the best fit um, in terms of skill set, just because you, you kind of need a little bit more playmaking. You kind of need a little bit more consistent shooting. Cause I don't even think John's been, he's, he's not been consistent three point shooter. No, this not year this year especially. So, you know, I think you need more of that from a skill set perspective in terms of what complements your team. Um, he's a great guy, value guy. Um, I think he works better as an 11th man than a 10th man personally. Um, Cause he's a, he, but you, you kind of even want to see. I, I think since they moved him off his role, I think I think they lessened even sort of his level of comfortability because he was a guy who you could always count on to get you off the bench. He give he be you know, but David Roddy's been these past couple games an energy guy, maybe not with points, but an energy guy knocked down a shot or two, and he hadn't been able to do that. And I think that's in part because he's been asked to do so much more, and it it maybe it's offset. But I like to see him go back to being that guy, that that tenth, maybe eleventh man. Um, consistently, can you know what you're going to get from him? Because I just, I don't think you know what you're going to get from him. I think you can say that, but I don't think that that's been true. Um, like you said, we the rebounding hadn't been there consistently, the three point shooting hadn't been there consistently. We know he's not going to take shots. That 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 is consistent. Um, he's a value add, um, especially in some matchups. Some some matchups he can be a really good value add, maybe defensively, and others not so much. This depends because he's a little limited on his size. But uh, you know, you like the guy. I just think there's a there's you, you could be more strategic about how you use him um, than I think this coaching staff does. But again, um, you know, soapbox is what it is. Got to see David Roddy getting his shine. Um, I really hope that this edges him out. If there's a question about who should go, and just because I think David Roddy is his ceiling is a little bit higher, and I love seeing him play small forward. That's what they've been using him at the wing this year, uh, small forward a lot. He's in these lineups, and that's something that's been a need kind of for this team. And, you know, after Dylan, really, who is who is your small forward? He seems to be stepping up to the plate, um, and that'll make things really interesting this offseason. Hey, Contra is a great guy to have on your roster. Like, I yeah. I don't want to just keep piling on like that, but he should be a break-in-case emergency guy. Like, Correct. I don't want him playing 25 minutes. Correct. And I don't think he, his talent level doesn't warrant him to play – 25 minutes. He's in, in a much better role when he comes in when you have injuries or you need him. But when you're depending on him to be kind of your backup shooting guard, that's more than what he what you should be trying to get out of him. That's yeah. that's kind of my point. Yeah. Yep. I think we're all in agreement there. So I, I'm ready to wrap it up. You guys got anything else before we go? I'm at. Uh, I'd love to see these two wins. We'll see what they do. I'm on the next game, but uh, take them when we can get them, man. Like, like, we like to see breaks like these. The Grizzlies are in a fight for the second seed right now. 
I think right now they are back in the second seed, so we'll see how that goes on the next game. They are. They're a half half game up on Sacramento. They have one. Yeah, I was gonna game. say Sacramento. Sacramento's up by nine at the half right now over the Bucks. Like they're they're just not gonna lose again. I guess that's just that's just what it is. But. Like that with Denver, a, hey, while, Dem- Denver has started losing, so you know that that's yeah. a good. Grizzlies are on a three game win streak. The Nuggets are on a three game lose streak. So they they've closed that gap. They're down four and a half games behind the Nuggets. Um, keep it rolling. You know how crazy it would be if the Grizzlies got to the one seed without John Morant. Yeah, we we we, we already know what would be coming. Yeah, you already know what the media narrative is. Trade them, trade them to, to L.A. That's what they're going to be saying. Yeah, and they'll love we, him again and get to, and get in the Lakers jersey. That one of the funniest <laughs> things that I I saw this dude he. He put out he had the blue check mark, so he had more than the character limit on Twitter. He he's putting this all together and it's this whole elaborate thing about Ja Morant and how terrible all this stuff was. And then it's like you should totally trade him to Miami just to get off of him. I'm like, this <laughs> like did trying to bash the man and then say trade him to your team. And like I, I he, he was I, I feel like he was being facetious because some of the stuff that he was saying in there was just wild. But, it, yeah, th- there, there's been some some crazy stuff for sure. Yeah, I was going to say, I've seen some some people, conspiracy theory-wise, they're saying that that's what the national media is doing, is trying to tarnish his name so Memphis will trade him to a bigger market, and that's what they, they want to happen. Uh, so I've kind of seen some people kind of make hints at that. So that's would be crazy, man, a elaborate scheme. But, yeah, man, uh, I, I guarantee you if he – ends up in L.A. or New York or something. People will love him then. Uh, they hate him now that he's in Memphis, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, guys, we, we appreciate you tuning in. We're going to go ahead and get out of here. You can get the show on Twitter at Ethos Grizzlies. I'm at NBA Will 2 one Find me on Twitter at CandiceH901. Take us home, Isaac. Yeah, man, Grizzlies will be back on the floor Wednesday night uh, in Miami. Another early tip, 630. Uh, hopefully they can keep it rolling. Miami has been inconsistent as hell this year so that that's a game that you think the Grizzlies might have a chance to win if they play good good basketball man they can go down there and get a win you got two games left on this road trip you got uh Miami on Wednesday night and you're at San Antonio on Friday night back to back at home on Saturday night against Golden State that's going to be a really interesting one where if you just can kind of beat them pretty good uh if you're on the home floor you know they're going to come out with a better effort in that one so that will be interesting so interesting week of a basketball for the Grizzlies, man. Hopefully they can keep it rolling. Um, I think they've done a fantastic job. I think when job went out, you would have thought that they would have dropped like a rock, and that hasn't been the case at all. Um, they've kind of turned back into that team that's able to kind of weather the storm. We hadn't saw that so much this year. When guys went down, they've just kind of struggled. It seems like they might be flipping the switch on that a little bit. I know you're talking about a Dallas team that was down a couple players, but there have been times that this year where they've struggled no matter who's on the floor on the other side. So, it's good to pick up these two victories, man, and just hope they can keep it going. But you can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore underscore NBA, I-S-A-A-C underscore underscore NBA. Again, Grizzlies back on the floor Wednesday night against Miami. Uh, this has been the Ethos Grizzlies podcast. We'll be back with the post game sometime later this week. So be on the lookout for that. Go to the Ethos Grizzlies. Give us a like and a follow. And until next time, we're going Those presentations.